Canes fans, welcome in to this edition of a very joyous Canes Inside Live instant reaction. Miami knocks off Texas A&M. We will get into the game, but D-Money, obviously everyone right off the bat here, uh, look at the end of the game there, right, with Cam Kitchens and his very serious, you know, scary incident that happened there at the end. I understand you have a bit of an update. Well, listen, I'm not a doctor. I mean, I'm seeing what you guys are seeing and then talking to people as well around the program. And everybody seems to be saying, you know, he's okay. Obviously, a serious situation, but a huge sense of relief from the people I'm talking to. Cristobal, you heard him in the post game, uh, either QAM and the press conference both times. He said, it looks like it's okay. And the players, same thing. You know, James Williams said Cam was trying to come back at the game uh, and play. He was disappointed he, he missed the, the end of it. So um, that's the biggest news of all. I've walked that state. I've had a lot of bad walks from the field, you know, to our, to the parking lot. This was one of the worst because of what happened right at the end. And then, you know, here it's, it looks like it's going to be okay. Uh, a huge relief to everybody, and uh, you know, allows us to to breathe a huge sigh of relief. Cam, you talk about all American. He's an all American player. He's like the definition of an all American because he just the, he does everything right. He presents himself like exactly what you want out of uh, someone. For, you know, um, hurricane. Anybody. I mean, he is just a uh, model kid and uh, obviously praying for him. But, uh, you know, the news has been good since since it happened. So that's the good thing. And now uh, a lot to celebrate uh, on the football side, including him, who was awesome, as we would have expected. Yeah, very grateful for that outcome, which obviously still hasn't been made official yet. But everything we're hearing is, is trending in the right direction there. Uh, Canes fans, we appreciate everyone's support who's on this live right now, already at, you know, just about 100 people um, after this this huge win. Like and subscribe, like this video and subscribe to the channel if you aren't already. Um, but man, D, I mean, this is right off the bat when you and I just got on right before the live, what you told me is it, it this feels different. So um, if you want to just get into that a little bit. <laughs> Well, first of all, you know, my preseason hype podcast might be, you know, might last for more than a couple of weeks. Usually it's obsolete after week two. Uh, a lot of that stuff still stands. So that's refreshing. Um, this was a huge game and we could talk about the waves, but I think you had two programs that had invested so much in trying to be good. Desperation to be good. Texas A&M had the biggest recruiting class in, in history two years ago. The money they've been spending on coaches is is astronomical. Obviously, you know, the the money we spent. Someone asked, we, did we not go to the game? Yeah, we were there. Just got home. We're there. We're, we're just trying to give you as instant reaction as we can. Yeah, we, I came home. Kids are being put well, to bed. The same, the same rock and rant said we, we actually did. Yes, we did get probably lucky with traffic. I actually stopped and got something to eat on the way home. So, yeah. I always got in a fight on the way out. I, I probably should have been better for karma purposes. But anyways, uh, yeah, so you, Texas A&M and Miami are two programs that have invested. Just It's a desperation to be good, and they've spent that way. And this game was going to tell, you know, one program is going to feel like they're back, and they finally got over that hump, and the other program is going to feel like they were never going to come back. It was so much more important than an unranked team playing whatever the 22nd-ranked team or whatever it was because of the amount that both programs have put in. So for Miami to not just win the game, but really to be clearly the better team, despite all kinds of unforced errors, the confidence level coming out of a game like that 
could not be higher. And for Texas A&M, you know, they got, they got a lot of problems. Um, but for Miami, you've received validation of your quarterback. You received validation of your offensive line trenches philosophy, some validation for both coordinators, Dawson, we can get into all that. And then, you know, Gidry going against Petrino, who's been a, a terror for Miami. Um, and really uh, the culture, when you look at the tackling, the resilience, the ability to bounce back after just doing everything wrong in the first five minutes. I think Bud Elliott, uh, of 247 of the Cover 3 podcast, he had a tweet, you know, after the first five minutes, like, oh, you can tell who the better team is after five minutes. And he was right, but of course he was talking about the wrong team because, you know, yeah, he didn't know what he was talking about. So that game validated a lot. There's still a lot to be done, but you have to feel like the goals that were set in program building are, are closer to being met based on what you saw. I have a name for you, Jaden Davis. I mean, psh, what, three tackles for loss, man? I don't know what the official numbers are, but the plays that that, that, that guy made, again, he's not. he wasn't the flashiest transfer, right? Coming over from Oklahoma, not – doesn't is he's not six foot six one he's not running a four three low four four played a lot of football in the big 12 has played a lot of good receivers and i think people you know they say well the defenses are are terrible in the big 12 what are the offenses looking like and what what are the guys that what are the offenses looking like that he's facing so he comes out today and makes multiple impactful plays and he's someone that wanted to be a hurricane out of high school. A lot of people thought he should have been a hurricane out of high school. Miami did not recruit him. So that right's been wronged in a lot of respects. And the form tackle on that fumble was uh, unreal. I thought that cor- the, the corners in general had a, had the matchup that everybody was watching as a mismatch, and they they showed up. The Corey Couch also played really well, Daryl Porter. So that matchup was a major question mark. And I think, look, obviously they made some plays, but you're talking about – this guy throwing 53 passes and only putting up 336 yards, two INTs. So uh, corners stepped up huge. Obviously, Lance Guidry um, put his guys in position to succeed. When plays were made, tackles were made. So what you know, even if they made a good play, Texas A&M, it did not become a catastrophe. And that's not something that we have seen in recent years. We saw at the opening game, that was Miami, Ohio. Now against five stars, they're bringing these guys to the ground whether it's a great play by the defense or a good play by the offense, it does not become a catastrophe due to broken tackles. And James Williams, you know, someone I feel like I'm an apologist for James Williams because he's so polarizing. And yeah, he, I mean, he kind of, he got away with a couple that could have been penalties towards the end that I thought they were going to call him on, but tackling ability to cover ground. There was one play, it was a short pass and he just, it was a third down short pass and he just closed distance in an absolute uh, instant and made the tackle. So happy for him to have that success. That targeting was total BS. Good, you know, he, good to see him not get called on that. The refs were absolutely horrible. I think, you know, we're talking about all the people that are MVPs of this game, and there's a lot. I want to focus on the, the LVPs, least valuable players, and I'm voting for the refs and the DJ. You know, we, we scored that touchdown to Jacoby George, biggest moment in Kane's, you know, probably since Bandy's INT, and the guy's playing La Vida Loca by uh, Ricky Martin. <laughs> so the refs and that guy need to go back to the lab and regroup because they were horrible. But, you know, a lot of everybody else wearing orange and green was terrific. And it's crazy, right, because we've been hyping up the, o, the O-line, which gave TVD all day to throw today, right? I mean, that was – to. I mean, we're talking about the run game the last couple months, right? And, 
Everyone's waiting for the downfield passing game. And I think Shannon Dawson, TVD, and the main receivers really silenced a lot of people tonight. Listen, uh, your guy, Jim Nagy, who you know well, head of the Senior Bowl, former NFL personnel guy forever, he said that this might be the best offensive line in the country before the season. And he he said, like, they went from being terrible last year to now they might be the best offensive line in the country. Uh, the last two games, why can't they be that, right? I mean, I'm watching, you know, I turned it off now, but I'm watching Bama teams like that. Why can't Miami be the best offensive line in the country? They're big as anybody. They're athletic as anybody. They have a coach that is coached at that level. They took Bama's starter, you know, at, at, that, at one of the positions who was their first-team all-conference all guy. They got guys on the bench, you know, that could play and that played in, 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 in unbalanced lines. So why can't this be the best offensive line in the country? Now I'm not saying, look, they got to play the whole year. But can they be that based on what I saw today? I haven't seen quarterback had that much time in Miami since Ken Dorsey in 2001. I mean, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong in the comments. If anybody has seen against a real team, with five-star defense alignment, a quarterback has that much time in Miami. I have not seen it. I mean, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. It did not happen. I mean, he it was consistent from the beginning to the end of the game. They were completely dominant as pass blockers in this game, and you saw the results with TUD throwing the ball. And look, there were a couple big drops that, that happened, right, that we didn't see that in the first game, right? But – the receivers, all in all, outside of those miscues, stepped up and made game-winning plays, if, if we're being honest. Big time. Third down, I mean, third down chain movers, yards after the catch that we have not seen from a receiving core recently from Miami. No doubt. And just think about last year's Texas A&M game, which was brutal to watch for everybody. Okay, you have Restrepo healthy. That makes a huge difference, obviously. Um, you know, Strepo, I put it in the chat. He might be one of the best Hispanic skill position players of all time when it's all said and done. We're, we're disqualifying uh, Hernandez for the serial murder. Um, you well, mentioned Tony. And, that was a good one. And then Anthony, uh, the other the other uh, from the Colts. who Oh, good call. Yeah, he, he was a first-round pick, yeah. Well, you know, hey, but listen, Restrepo does a lot. And uh, so he's just such a stud. I, I, I love Restrepo. The play uh, on Brashard's touchdown, you watch Brashard's touchdown, Restrepo just destroyed the punter. And there were a couple plays where we actually the, – the play was schemed for Restrepo to be the lead blocker. Uh, one of them didn't work for whatever reason, but it wasn't because he missed the block. But they're scheming plays with him as the lead blocker because they have so much faith in what he does. Watch the replay and you'll see. So love Restrepo. You didn't have him. Colby Young, completely different player now that he's in shape. Used, he's you know, he's had time to adjust to the college uh, level, going from JUCO. Lost the weight. You saw the speed. He's a, he's a really good player. And then Jacoby George, who's had maturity issues in the past, up and down. He was even a little up and down today, but that catch at the end um, and what he did throughout the game, he could have had four touchdowns. Um, just a really, really big performance and resilient too, because that drop punt, you know, he really could have gone in the dumps, but he kept coming back and then closed it out. So that's huge first confidence. Again, I use the word validation, validation for the work that he's put in. Um, and then Isaiah Horton, we can't go without him. Yep. That was a huge play going deep. After last year, there was, or last week, they were saying, can Miami throw deep? Is it just dink and dunk? No, that's what Miami, Ohio was playing. That's how they were playing us. Texas A&M, SEC team tried to challenge us a little bit. 
Horton ran right by him. Perfect pass by TBD. Horton's a guy that they have very, very high hopes for. Missed a lot of camp with injury. Again, had some of the inconsistencies of, of Jacoby George maybe off the field, just locking in maturity stuff, nothing bad. But you saw that's, that That's play. depth. But that's depth. I mean, that's if you're if you're a Canes fan, right? How long has it been since? All right, you understand that Restrepo, Jacoby, Colby Young are your guys right now, right? But you're excited about the guys behind them, and you can still have a role for an Isaiah Horton who goes deep. I mean, when his number is called upon, what a what a what a catch! And again, not just falling down, which. We've seen a lot, a lot from receivers in the past few years. As crazy as it sounds, it's like a fundamental thing, right? But he goes on and he and he scores the touchdown, right? So awesome moment for him. The way they use A.J. Allen I thought was very interesting at the running back position, right? He really didn't see touches in the first half, but that's where the depth comes in. He's fresh legs in the third, fourth quarter there, and he had some big plays. Yeah, and a lot of split back too, um, just watching it. You saw a lot of times we had two backs um, split, so that was interesting. And look, we're bearing the lead a little bit here because we're talking about these offensive players. TBD. I know you have mentioned, and you're just telling, reporting what you hear that the that the scouts wanted to see what TBD was about. They were not sure yet. You watch a game like this, and the efficiency, the production. Obviously, they had a lot of time, but the accuracy, the ability to bounce back from drops. Um, one thing about TVD that he gets criticized a lot is his he's not the most vocal leader. He's not like a fiery kind of guy. The flip side of that is he is very steady. And Miami had a lot of mistakes early that were not his fault at all. And really throughout the game with the drops, stuff that he that nothing to do with him. And he remained steady and continued to play and had just a phenomenal game. And one thing I want to mention, you might couldn't see this on TV, but being in the stadium, the last touchdown to Jacoby George, which was a perfect pass, I mean, one of the biggest plays we've had in years. He really, I was watching him, he didn't react at all. You know, you just, sometimes you see the quarterbacks run out like, hey, you know, touchdown, running, going crazy, you know, let's go, all that. Van Dyke threw that pass, and he just walked out. Like, he was not – he could see those would be a touchdown, but it wasn't like, you know, like he was expecting it. So the calm demeanor, um, that's him. And I thought it really helped uh, stabilize the team. And then the, just the performance itself w- was outstanding. So love TVD. Alabama was wishing they offered him what triple what they offered him because he is a big-time quarterback. Shout out to the 330-plus that are on this live right now. If you don't subscribe to the channel already, do so. We have these live shows. You know, we do these instant reactions after the games, but we also have live shows every Thursday and then our weekly podcast as well. So I appreciate everyone's support. Like this video and subscribe. Offense, obviously, putting up 48 points against this team was huge. Defensively, they were put in terrible positions, special teams, that's a whole discussion that we that we need to uh, have. But obviously, they put the defense, you know, with their backs against the wall pretty early on. Yeah, but then at the same time, they uh, they had the great kick return and then a 50-yard field goal. So yeah. up and down, I feel confident about that unit going forward. There's coachable stuff, but you're absolutely right. They put the defense in tough situations. And this is Bobby Petrino. This guy's killed Miami historically, right? And – 
the fact that you have an NFL quarterback really for Texas A&M, I think Wagman's a dude, man. He was awesome from from my standpoint because I mean, he was getting crushed, uh, hit every single time, and, and stood in there delivered some strikes. So you have a great quarterback, great receivers, and Bob Petrino matching up, and Gidry was able to consistently match up some penalties, some obviously tough special team situations. But look at 6.3 yards per attempt for Connor Wiegman. I'm pronouncing his name a million different ways, but 6.3 yards per attempt with two INTs. That's get that's that's getting it done. 3.3 yards uh, rushing for Texas A&M per carry. So really, the ability to stop them and then the, the secondary stepping up like they did. Um, the defense is legit, man. Gidry, we heard all year how good he was, and I think this showed what he can do. Um, and he's never Gidry's never been at this kind of level, right? So Gidry's like, oh, people have something to prove. Gidry. He's not Kevin Steele, who's been good forever and been at the top. He really is proving what he's about now. And this game is is, a, is one really – maybe the stats don't totally show how good he was. The tackling has gotten better. You're not seeing – I mean, how many busts were there where you said, wow, this guy's wide open? I mean, sometimes there was a blitz and they picked it up and they made a great throw. That happens. But it wasn't like miscommunications and just total, you know, a total mess. Um but uh, by the way, shout out to everybody that said hi to me and Pete at the game. Yeah, a ton of Kings Inside fans there. Uh, love the support, man. And also shout out to the Garcia brothers. I, I told them I'd say this on the podcast because they had a great thought, which is, what's Jeremiah Smith thinking? I know he wasn't there at the game, but Jeremiah Smith saw these receivers all eating. And Jeremiah Smith, remember, his cousin is Geno Smith. Geno Smith was coached by Shannon Dawson. Shannon, he, when when Shannon Dawson got hired by UM, Geno Smith was tweeting about it. So we'll talk more about Dawson because I thought he was awesome. Every, I mean, every who didn't, right? He, he, he kicked ass. But Dawson was Geno Smith's coordinator at West Virginia, and Geno Smith loves him. So Geno Smith sure has been in Jeremiah Smith's ear like, yo, this guy is legit. And then to see it come to fruition, not just with Jeremiah Smith, but really anybody watching this game from a recruiting standpoint, uh, now that you've seen it happen, it's a whole new perspective of Miami. I think you're going to see Miami's offensive recruiting with this class and then the next class um, really, really uh, skyrocket because you. It's it's one thing to think, hey, they might be better next year, but when you saw what they did last year and that's your last vision of them, you really have to see it change to truly buy in. And I think that's something that people saw because Dawson was scheming guys wide open. He was being efficient. He, I mean, really, the play to Jacoby George, that touchdown was a beautiful call. Um, and They open up the playbook, man. After all these years, they finally open up the playbook, right? Everyone's, everyone is asking for it. You know, right off the bat, they want to see the downfield passing attack. And everyone says, oh, well, they don't want to show too much. Well, I mean, they were, they were slinging it all over the place today. Listen. And the offensive line makes everything a lot easier. You know, uh, shout, I, shout out to John Ruiz, man. The guy, uh, talk about money well spent um, on those offensive linemen. You know, I hope he gets through whatever he's going through right now because watching that offensive line with guys like Cohen and Lee and uh, and, and Mal Goa and, and Rivers, man, what a, what a studly performance from him. Um, that's a good place to spend your money on the offensive line because everybody else is going to look better because of that. And they're going to be steady. You know, they're not going to be as up and down as maybe some other guys, less character stuff. So to me, spending money on offensive line, you're seeing that. And bringing in a guy like Cristobal and Mirabal, where that's their bread and butter, you see, I mentioned validation earlier. It's validation of that approach because now when you have a dominant offensive line, 
your quarterback throws five touchdowns. Your offensive coordinator looks like a genius. Your receivers are all improved. Your running game has to be respected. You're not taking the negative plays that we've seen for the last 20 years. Um, so that unit really elevated everybody, including Dawson, who also did his own thing and was outstanding. It's just crazy, though, because look, just looking at the box score, everyone expecting going into this game, talking about the run game, Miami's going to pound the ball, throw it when they need to. You really only had 22 rush attempts. You're taking Tyler Van Dyke's two rush attempts out, out of the equation. And then you had 30 pass attempts. I mean, that's not what A&M probably expected going into this game either. You know, and then also, again, I have to watch it back. It's one thing to watch it in the stadium, and then you don't see it, you know, the replays. But I'd imagine that Texas A&M was a bit worried about what Miami was going to do in the running game and, and concerned about it and, and, and wanted to challenge TVD. Obviously, he responded. But that's complimentary football. You know, when you have the ability to run the ball and the ability to pass the ball and pass protect. So I'm not sure. Look, Miami, look at the stats. 3.2 yards per carry, 77 yards. Obviously, that's not what Miami wants going forward. But I think you're going to see games where the offensive line dominates run blocking. And maybe the passing game isn't going crazy and the running game takes over. But the ability to do both is what makes Miami unique here. And again, if, they, if you got Cristobal, the only time Cristobal's really had a quarterback that was a, a, a top-end player was Herbert. And look, TBD, I'm not trying to compare him to one of the best players in the world. But TBD's a lot closer to Herbert than, than Anthony Brown, you know? As far as a passer, right, right. I think that's fair to say, and certainly more than the other guys they've had at Oregon. So when my when Cristobal's had that with Herbert, you know, people said he limited Herbert in certain respects. But if you look at the uh, Oregon's offense that year, they were outstanding statistically, and they won twelve games with balance, the ability to run and pass. So I think Miami today was a passing day. The other one was a running day. It's going to change from week to week, but the ability to do both, you have to feel very confident in their ability to do that because you have a, a, just a special offensive line. Shout out to the 400 plus that are on the live right now. I think this is the first time D, that we've ever had 400 uh, plus on here. I, for those who weren't on here in the beginning, and I see some comments as well, D, from what you know on Camp Kitchens, it seems like uh, he should be okay. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm not a doctor. I'm just going off what Cristobal has said publicly and then talking to some people, you know, kind of closer to the player side of things. And everybody seems to think that, you know, the, the, the worst was averted. Obviously a serious situation, but um, something that can be, you know, they can bounce back from. Um, and that was, I think, everybody's biggest concern or thought coming out of the game because you worry about that with anybody. But a guy like this who is exactly – what you want as a representative of your school. Um, you know, you want him to have good things in life because he's worked hard and shoot. I mean, this, this game alone, before he got hurt, he was, he was on some Ed Reed stuff, you know, and some, and so with the way he, he, you just knew he was going to make a play and he did made two with the fumble recovery, which is not a gimme fumble. It didn't bounce right into his hands. He went and got it. Um, and then the interception. So, you know, very, we weren't going to do this podcast, you know, unless we got some good news on kitchens. So um, just great news and makes everything like brings a light to everything for him to be okay. Is the ACC back, man? Here's what I'll say about the ACC, and I've been saying it. The best quarterbacks in the country are in the ACC. They have been for a year, for really five years now. 
Okay. TBD. Drake May, who to me is the best quarterback in the country. I've been telling you about Riley Leonard for almost three years now. Riley Leonard is a tremendous multi-sport stud. Um, Jordan Travis, you know, again, uh, I, you know, sometimes when I see my old posts get bumped, I get nervous. But when I see my Jordan Travis takes from 2017, I feel pretty good because I always thought the guy was a special talent, uh, baseball player, big arm, a lot of upside. Took some time with him, but he ended up being a, a special player. Hate to say it, but it's true. Um, so, yeah, Leonard, Travis, TVD, May. Um, you know, uh, the kid from the Etsy state is pretty good. Um, there's some really, really good quarterbacks in the ACC every single year. And I think people are starting to realize that because that was an S what's the, what's the, what's the mean? They're supposed to be SCC. You know, those DB, yeah. the West Kentucky linebacker, SEC yeah. and TVD treated them like, I mean, TVD stat line in this game was like your Bethune stat line. I mean, if, if five touchdowns, one drop would have been six. And how, I mean, just vi- take away the drop. How many passes did TVD miss? He missed one for Restrepo, which was the right read. They blitzed, and he threw it at the blitz to Restrepo and just an off-target pass. Other than that, I can't think of too many throws he missed at all. Can you? No. I, no, I mean, I'm excited to talk to the scouts the next few days because – and I was texting you earlier this week, D, that – this was probably the biggest game of his career in terms of the scouts were very high on him coming into last coming into last season. Last year was not great, but the scouts also take into account what was going on coaching wise and what was going on with the transition. So they don't hold it against him too much. Yeah, last look- week, you know, he has a he has a good game, but it's not you're not you're not playing a, a team with NFL talent. So this was really the one that they have to put under the microscope. And man, did he deliver to the naked eye? Now let's see what the scouts say. But I, like you said, I don't know what 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 passes he he missed. I think the athleticism is going to be the differentiating factor for him compared to maybe some of these other guys who who we see because he he can't move the same way these other guys do, but. The arm talent is off the charts. And I'm glad you brought that up. So, look, Drake May, Caleb Williams, as far as movement, that's a different category. We get that. But the play to Jacoby George, the first touchdown to George, was a very athletic play where he threw against his body. The screen to Restrepo, again, I did not rewatch this game. This is all just from the game, watching it live. But there was a play where Restrepo had a, had a long uh, screen pass, and they came right in his face, and he had to make a very athletic sidearm throw that, you know, if he did not make the throw the way he made it with the time that he made it, it would not have been that long screen. So little subtle athletic things like that he can do. I thought there was another play where, you know, he ended up scrambling for maybe like a loss of one, but it could have been a loss of 10, and he got away from the defensive end. I think TV's athleticism is underrated. You look at his high school shuttle. He's a 4-2 shuttle guy verified at that big body. He was a basketball player, a top baseball player in his region, top pitcher in his region, tight end when he first started. So I think TVD has more athleticism than people think. Against a Drake May or Jordan Travis or those kind of guys, you know, no, fine. But, you know, is he more athletic than Kirk Cousins? I think so. More athletic than uh, Tua? You know, I think he's in that category um, with his size and everything. I don't think he's, you know, he's not a, a stiff. He's an athlete. He's a golfer, you know. I know you're big on that. Um, he, he he dropped a he dropped a golf line in a, in a press conference this week. He said you got to play it as it lies. So yeah, I thought that was I thought that was funny. But no, he's I mean look he's he he is a better athlete than people give him credit for. But here's the problem: 
the the you compare some of these other athletes at that position, and that's what the scouts look at, right? So again, he he, he if he puts together a body of work like we saw today, it's not going to be an issue, one thousand percent. But um, as Texas is Texas and Bama here, I'm I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting no, a little. It's, this, it's twenty to sixteen. Tex, Texas is up, but uh, they just had a big, big play. They're down to like the five, six yard line of Bama. So they might score. They might score again here. Let's see. It looked like a pick. Yeah. So they should have, they should have paid TVD. I mean, thank God they, we got him, you know, and uh, uh, by the way, outside of the injury of Cam Kitchens that everyone was, was worried about Mesador and Branson Dean both went down. Um, I don't know if you have any update there, but. No, I don't. I mean, look, as a physical game, obviously two great players in the NFL futures. You want them to be okay. Um, good timing. But, but, uh, re, sorry, I, don't, I, Please, I know. I, something I found interesting watching college game day, Desmond Howard, when he was talking about the game, he pulled up his notes and he said, Branson Dean, he, you know, he didn't know it off the top of his head. This is a guy they're very excited about, which he – you can tell the staff is telling everyone about Branson Dean. Um, Jimbo Fisher, you saw in his press conference as well. This is a guy that is vital to, to the defense's success moving forward. No question. And Mesador, too. I mean, those are big players. Yeah. You want them to be – again, NFL futures, you know, it's like obviously you want these guys to succeed for the Canes, but when you know that they have life-changing opportunities ahead of them just to get drafted, um, you just want them to be okay – very soft part of the schedule coming up with Bethune, uh, Temple, and then Georgia Tech. So if, if there's potential for for rest, you know that could be a thing. Um, someone touchdown in Texas, by the way. Yeah, someone in the comments mentioned that Cam's mom says he's good. So again, all the news on Cam has just been great um, since you know the 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 uh, the hit. So it, it's it's one of those things where it puts you in perspective because you're like. This could not be any better after this game. And you see an injury, and it's like it kind of brings you back down. So now to see it hopefully be resolved positive way, it really gives you perspective on, you know, um, you know these kids' lives and the fact that they're out there risking their lives. It's entertainment, but they're trying to make their future for their families and uh, risking a lot uh, in playing a game like this, a physical game like this. So, again, um, great news on camp. And, uh he was awesome. Again, him and James Williams were great. You know, James Williams, I, I mentioned it earlier. I'm just I'm glad to see him get some have a good game because he's someone that gets so much scrutiny. And he brings some of it on himself with the with the way he does you know, makes stupid penalties and maybe can be reckless sometimes with his tackling. But um he's got a lot of talent. He's got a cares a lot about the canes and cares a lot about playing good. And he, I mean he's been playing since day one. So it's not like he's been, you know, talk about five stars that have disappointed. This guy's been playing, making tackles. Not always the best, but he's been playing, and, he, and you'd love to see another big year. One other guy I want to mention, this is just totally off the radar, but Jaden da- uh, Harris, Jaden Davis we talked about. But Jaden Harris had a beautiful tackle on special teams. Malik Bryan also. I'd like to see guys flashing on special teams. Um, those two jumped out. The big picture here, Mario Cristobal, I mean, first signature win at Miami. I mean, he had, we won 5-7 and seven last year. Winning the first game against Miami, Ohio is not going to do anything to move the needle. This is this is a big one, and and moving forward, what do you think this really signifies? 
a lot. I mean, it's bigger than what again, undefeated, undrafted, sorry, unranked team playing a 22 team on paper doesn't excite you. The way these programs poured into them, the football teams, and expecting to see results, it's bigger than the than just one win. And from a crystal ball standpoint, it answered a lot of questions about opening up the offense. How many times we hear caveman football with crystal ball? Didn't look like caveman football to me. I saw a very dynamic offense against an SEC defense with a quarterback that was eating. If I'm watching that game as a quarterback, if I'm watching that game as a receiver, I love what I see. Validation of his approach to the trenches. He said he was going to build an offensive line that was elite. He has done that. That's done. He said he was going to make us a tougher tackling team. He said he got knocked back too much last year. How many times did Texas A&M get extra yards on us just by running us over or breaking a tackle? You know, they put him down. Um, So – a lot of things he said, and then talent level. This team, Texas A&M, has been paying an extreme amount of money for players, and they've gotten a lot of five-star players. But if you ask just a random person, watch this game, who's the more talented team? And Miami's the more talented team. I mean, they look better. Well, so and Jim, I mean, and we know Jimbo is a heck of a coach. So, I mean, he's a top five, top seven coach in the country. Yeah, he's really a ten million, ten million a year. Yeah. So this was a this was for Mario, and he you, you heard him in the in the post game, right? You tell he was relieved about Kitchens, and then you could also just tell he was just so relieved. I mean, he five straight home losses, really bad ones. Yeah. So to win a game like this in this fashion, he might have doubted himself. I know he's got a lot of confidence. Um, we saw him, you know, we saw him recently, and uh, he seemed very confident. But D, there's a question here about Leonard Taylor. I saw I saw Leonard Taylor get in the backfield. I mean, I saw him get a, a good amount of snaps today. There was he didn't quite take the handoff, but there was a play that he, I mean, was three four yards in the backfield and really affected the play. Yeah, and look, he's, they say he's gaining weight. He's trying to gain weight. He's trying to be stronger. Is it all good weight? I'm not a nutritionist. I, I haven't seen him up close, but you know, he's there. He's playing and. Um, we're going to need Leonard Taylor over the course of the season. I think he's going to get a lot of make a lot of big plays. It's interesting. We have not had a lot of sacks the first two weeks um, for a team that I expected to be a top ten sack team again. Uh, but there's a lot of pressure, a lot of quarterbacks being hit. That usually balances out over the course of the year. The other game, you know, where maybe they, Leonard Taylor gets three sacks or something, like I guess a Virginia or whatever, one of these teams. Um, and uh, but and listen, people get so caught up in 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 the sack numbers and the tackle for loss numbers. It's about disruption. There was a lot of disruption up front, albeit some of it was brought by the blitz pressure that Gidry was disguising, bringing guys off the edge. But it's more than just the sack numbers. Yeah. Look, Bain was out there getting pressure. Harvey got some pressure. I mean, look, Wegman, Wegman, whatever his name is, he's not going to be feeling great tomorrow physically. I, I I think the guy's a stud. I'm super impressed with him, but he got hit a lot. In fact, in fact, that's why I like him because he was able to get up, but he was getting up a lot. It, he did not have a clean game physically. He got hit a lot. Um, some of it was blitzing. Um, some of it was, you know, just pressure. He was moved off his spot a few times. I saw Hunt got in there a couple times to force him to move. So, maybe, yeah, maybe he's stepping up and getting some yards, but he's not sitting there comfortably in the pocket and spreading the ball like what you saw with TVD. I mean, that was not the same. Those two things were not the same as far as their ability to sit there, not move, 
scan the field. How many times did you see Wegman sit there, scan the field, and deliver after five seconds? That didn't happen. TVD, that was every time to drop back. Like and subscribe. Canes fans like this video and subscribe to our channel if you aren't already. We got 439 on here right now, D. So that's, I think that's a, uh, a record to this point. So appreciate everyone who's on here right now. Try to answer any questions uh, coming in here on the comments. Um, so send them in. But I mean, just a, and, and the fans, I think, showed out. Right. I mean, there was some rain uh, for the hour, hour plus before the game. But I think fans showed out pretty well. Not 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 a lot of AM fans. No, Herb Street said there'd be more AM fans than Miami fans. I was totally wrong. The AM fans were quiet. Even when they were doing good, you couldn't hear them. The Miami fans, they were loud. I think what you'll see is now there's a lot of fence sitters that, you know, and I don't blame them. Obviously, I'm there every game. I'm diehard. But there's people that said, Hey, I went to uh, – shout out to Joe Sosa. Appreciate you. And by the way, someone else I wanted to shout out earlier. Um, Nick. Nick. You know, and then also uh, – who else do we want to shout out here? Anyways, I'll look for a while I'm talking. But there was – Eric Cooks. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate you. Um, so there was not a Texas A&M presence there. It was a Miami presence uh, at the game. And – it was loud. I think a lot of fence sitters that were d- disillusioned by what's happened over the past 20 years and certainly last year. Now they have, they can feel comfortable coming back. I see a lot. I've had a lot of people hit me up like, now I'm going to buy my tickets again. So I think you're going to see a fuller stadium, but the ones that were, they were rowdy, uh, Texas A&M, you know, I went to college station last year. Uh, not the loudest fan base in the world. Um, despite, you know, the 12th man and all that, they're, they're very passionate. And it's, they support their team, but it's kind of like, I don't know. It's a square. Corny. Very corny. The the whole male cheerleader thing I just didn't get. I, I was talking to some very cordial AM fans next to me and I, I told them, dude, I you know, I respect you guys, but I don't I just don't get this male cheerleader thing. And and you know, they, they said, Look, it's a two hundred year tradition. I don't care, man. It, you gotta get some some female cheerleaders. That's that's just my take on it, but um, you know, that's a whole nother whole nother story. Um I mean, looking ahead here, D, short week, short week, uh, obviously with with Bethune coming up, you don't want these guys to get too, uh, you know, ahead of themselves. You still got a lot in TVD. I think, like you said, he, he that last touchdown, he wasn't really getting all too hyped up about it. I, that's his personality. I was listening on the way home uh, in the in the interview with Don Bailey Jr. in in the the locker room, and he was said, look, we still have a lot of work to do. This is a big win, but got a lot of games ahead of us. So looking ahead, I mean, what what are you looking for these next few weeks that are games you should win? Well, for Bethune, it's a short week, and this is a very physical game. You know, Mesador, Fletcher, Dean, obviously Cam. Um, so you want to get out of Bethune healthy, and I, I don't think you want your guys to play too much. Um, you want to see the youngsters play that game and do their thing. Um, I don't think there's anything to prove with Bethune. Like maybe in the past where you really had to show that you were doing stuff. I think they prove it a lot before they play Bethune. It's not the opening game. So get through it healthy. Get your young guys on the field. Get your quarterbacks in there. I know they want to redshirt both of them if possible. We'll see how that works. That's going to be very interesting to watch. But stay healthy. 
Get your young guys in. Let's see what Malik Bryant does at linebacker, Opopo, you know, Bobby Washington. Let's see what some of these young defensive linemen do. Um, a Josh Horton, right? Um, that's the kind of thing I want to see this week. Running back-wise, you know, maybe Chris Johnson. Can he get going? He got missed a lot of camp. Can he have this his Isaiah Horton moment uh, missing of camp? And then, you know, Don Vaughn, great point. Clean up the penalties. You know, that's something that you could work on even against a team like Bethune. Clean up the penalties, clean up the special teams, just being sharp, and then hopefully staying healthy and getting your guys rest. You get through that game healthy, now you got a whole basically week and a half to heal. So that's going to be uh, fun to see. D, something I found interesting was I feel like there was less rotations at a lot of the spots. I mean, the coaches were just playing the guys that they really feel like are the guys, right? So that's not something we've seen either the last 10 years. There's been a lot of rotations at, at every spot, it feels like. Um, and it was more like, look, we know who our guys are. If we need to you know, spell them, give them a, a, a breather, then we'll do that. But it seemed like a lot of the same guys were playing. Yeah, look, defensive line, that's a position you always rotate. But when you look at Alabama or Georgia, they don't rotate just to rotate. You know, if they have a stud that they want to play because they just have an over overflow of studs, they'll play them. But they don't rotate just to rotate. I remember at one point we were rotating offensive linemen all the time in a way that just made no sense. Um, I think that's kind of God. When they did rotate, like with a Corey Flag, he made some nice plays. Um, Flag had a big play, man. Shout out to shout out to him. I, I honestly thought of when he made that play. I thought of everyone on the message boards who, you know doesn't doesn't love him but man that's valuable depth on this team he does everything right you know like i will never get down on players who do everything right i don't get down on players that much anyways because i could never be in their shoes with the schedule they have and the talent and the things they do so i'm not really one to bash players anyways but like i have a soft spot for the guys that do everything right so when i see guys getting dinged because they don't look perfect when they have done everything right it's frustrating i put with dj ivy our buddy we put in that i mean we put in that category robert knowles was one you know glad he had a great senior year flag is kind of another one of those flag has been productive he's played he is part of the solution physically no but in terms of the way he approaches the game and like you said valuable depth um so happy to see a guy like you know him Jaden davis daryl porter guys that they don't look like to, uh, to Corey couch Guys that maybe don't look restrepo, you could throw in that category. They're not going to win the beauty pageant, but they're guys that do the things right and have put in a lot of time, and you like to see them get rewarded with a good game. Any last thoughts here, D, before uh, we close shop? I mean, like you said, I appreciate everyone who came up to us, uh, who showed love, you know. Appreciate everyone who watches the show and likes and subscribes and is just on the website in general. Yeah, appreciate everybody. Um, that was awesome meeting people. Want to keep doing that. I might be late next week because I got my kids' baseball game. I'm hoping it gets rained out. Um, but uh, but you know, shout out to everybody saying saying hi and supporting. And listen, tell your friends. We're putting out content at a higher rate. The team is doing its part. This thing's about to take off on the field, off the field. The community, the content, um, the interaction, really going to take off. And again, appreciate everybody that 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 this that gave super chats and they participated. Um, you know, really appreciate everyone. It's a, uh, it's a great time to be a Canes fan. We've been paying uh, our dues for a long time. Now it's time to reap the rewards and today is one of them. So uh, 
Enjoy. All right, man. Go Canes. Appreciate everyone who's been on here.